Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard (laughs) has really helped uh boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started Chris Black, good morning, happy Wednesday. What the hell is up, bro? Uh, it's Thursday, bitch. Um, today is Thursday. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, it's it is Thursday, February 11th, 2021. The sun the sun is shining in beautiful Los Angeles. I did a very intense um, interval sprint workout this morning on the Peloton treadmill. Um, interval sprint that means you sprint for like 30 seconds and you stop for 30 seconds and you sprint for 30 seconds oh it's a minute sprint two minute jog minute sprint two minute jog minute sprint two minute jog oh man i am i am getting wheezy just thinking about that well jason it's um it's it's what i need to do right now to get to get where i'm trying to go um it's not the most fun but it does feel great when you finish like most workouts (laughs) okay and do you have you defined clearly where you're trying to go is it are you speaking about physically or mentally are you just trying to get the yayas out keep the demons at bay or all of the above all of the above well you know i'm back i'm back with with uh hunter my beloved trainer and um Mm -hmm. we have moved we have moved inside to the to the gym here uh at my building and now now that the vaccine has begun to roll out you've taken the workout indoors is what you guys yes exactly exactly well two essential workers one set of dumbbells you do the math um and so there's there's a full set of dumbbells a cable machine so we're able to get some proper gains in while still working on on some of our ring and mobility work you know so it, we'll see how it goes I, I don't even know bro i just needed a change i needed to switch it up a little bit um mm-hmm. and- you said you know what i am sick of not going to the gym I'm going to change that, and I'm going to go to the gym. Exactly. But but I have access to it. It's just And also, really quick, shout-outs to all of our essential workers in the cannabis field. Um, you guys are... <laughs> You guys are our heroes, and I'm I'm glad that we got the vaccination. Do you for think? You. Just a quick question: Do you think like the the blunt roller <laughs> guys that work for rappers oh. are the, are those guys considered like if I if I rolled blunts for for you know little baby, am I now an essential worker, or is that is that is does it have to be more of like a a 
cannabis, you know, flower, mm. edible, L.A. bullshit edition. I feel like Lil Baby and Da Baby are not cool enough to have blunt rollers. I feel like neither of them even do drugs. But it would it would have to be a much, much cooler, t- you know, a, a Pee Wee Long way. I hate to bring him up always as a source of inspiration, but he's the type of cat well, who might still keep a blunt roller on yeah, the Yeah, good, good point. Know. I think... Yeah, since, the, since you know if you can consider if the rapper smokes enough to be considered a cannabis brand then i think it could work but i don't know if you know just rolling illegally purchased drugs it would be considered an essential job i can think of one rapper who definitely still has a blunt roller and his name is wiz khalifa one of your favorites yeah i know big wiz and also you so your one of your goals is to get your body looking like big Wizzies. do you think he let it slip in quarantine like so many of us have I bet not. I think Wiz realized the error of his ways, and he's still hitting that cushion orange juice, but getting his kickboxing in to make sure those abs are looking cut when he's doing the Oreo commercials with his son. And also a big shout outs to French Montana for his body transformation. He's looking good, isn't he? He's all Montana. you have to do is stop taking Xanax, and and the body, the pounds melt right off. I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, French Montana is actually sober. I knew he was. I mean, that's why he hasn't really made a good song in so long, right? Un- unfortunately, that's also true. Um, but I also think maybe time has, I think maybe society's moved past the need for French Montana songs, you know, unfortunately, I, I feel, I feel like it's just like an era that, that, I mean, who knows anything is possible. Um, once the roaring twenties of post COVID era come back, hopefully the it's Montana so- season society no joke. will, will once again <laughs> require, uh, you know, a South Miami style Montana banger. But you know, so so sober dick ain't hitting the right way is what, is what I'm saying though, and that applies to the pen and the pad. Go ahead. We need to hit Miami, bro. I'm feeling the pull of of <laughs> your takeaway from all of that is damn. We need to hit Miami. I was I was talking Miami. about that with with LP a couple of days ago because we went to Miami last year. We were like, can you believe last year we were at dumbass Art Basel in Miami, like kind of having a shitty time. And I, I was like, you know you what? Went to Art Basel. Oh yeah, it was God. me, Bay, and Oberg shutting shit down. But unfortunately, <laughs> there was no shit to shut down. It was just like, okay, <laughs> we're going shutting, to this what party. Were you, shutting down, were you shutting down the infrared sauna at the Four Seasons? What were you shutting <laughs> no, down? I mean, we like, were we were trying to we were trying to get our turn fiesta up? fiesta on. But like you know, like the homie would be like, "Yo, I'm DJing at the Soho House tent. Come through. I'm playing at twelve or whatever." Which would, in a normal situation, would be great. I would show up, I would get in, my name would be on the list, and I would go. My my friends would have a bottle. I'd be smoking cigs, you know, for hours on end. Maybe a little bump ski, whatever it is. It's a, it's a good vibe. When in, Mi- when in Miami, baby, you got to do a little cocaine. Checking you know out some saying? hot males and females laying around by the pool. Mm. It's a, it's always mm. a nice situation. Maybe I'm I eating love fries. Beauty. Yeah, I just love I love booty. You know what I'm saying? Um, Damn, Jason. So you're telling me that you would eat fries shirtless? That's pretty crazy, bro. <laughs> you want to? That's okay, crazy. I'll be doing that in Hawaii in just a few days, Chief. But but the but then good for you. But don't share it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, one one thing I won't be sharing is my is my side of mayonnaise and my side of mayonnaise as it pertains to my large white white stomach and chest area. But when we went to to Basel this time. I would my friend would be like, "Hey, I'm, I'm playing at Soho House. Come through. I'm playing at 11. Then you'd go, and it'd be like, "Oh, we have to wait because like you know, Questlove is gonna do a set or like some you know some boner shit." Ugh. So and then you go there and it's there's just like eight thousand people in line and there's no line and 
like all the Miami city locals are the ones who are getting in because they're like tipping the door guy $11,000 and not a single person is under the age of 50 and the whole scene is just real trash. So next time I go to Miami, which will hopefully be soon, you know, I'm going to pull up at, at, yeah, the, we'll get the... at the Mediterranean restaurant, Mandolin. Have you been there? Yeah, let's go, baby. Mandolin oh. zaps. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm like you ask... go to Mandolin, you could they, they give you an ashtray at the table. You're smoking. So lit. You know, the, the Beckhams are at the table next to you, and they're down for oh. cigs as well. <laughs> oh. I mean, we need to bang Diz's line. We need to charter a little, a small yacht. You know what I mean? Just for a, mm-hmm. a just for a trip, a trip around the bay, and then a sunset meal at Mandolin. What a dream! Oh, sun kissed. You know my 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 beautiful pale skin, a little red. You know from yeah. the full day out. But but it's it's called a ba- it's called a base layer. It's called a base layer. I was just working on my base out in the backyard, but I, I have no problem busting it wide open for a stranger if I was promised a, a, a lovely activation like that. I mean, hopefully, I, I feel like Eleven's probably open. I feel like Liv might even be open. I mean, you won't catch me at Eleven. You know, my bedtime does not permit going to Eleven anymore. You won't catch catch me there either. But I mean, it's it's just when things are open, it feels good, you know. But I want to. Where does Ply? Where does Plies live? Clearwater. <laughs> it might be Clear Clearwater, Florida. I think uh, we should. Do we got we, we got to find pl- Plies. Maybe that's a podcast, a narrative podcast that we could sell to Spotify Premium. Yeah, Spotify Premium is just giving these deals out. Friend of the show, Yasi Salik, announced, you know, via mm. Variety, what well, must be nice, uh, via <laughs> Variety today, an industry trade publication. We've never gotten that kind of treatment, but, but her new podcast, uh, Bands, Bandsplain, where she, where she has a friend on to kind of explain a band that, that she doesn't necessarily like or understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and guess who's featured on this upcoming season, Jason? Do you know anybody? Yeah. Is it, um, uh, is it you? It is me. Yeah, Big CB is is is. Luckily, I joined Yasi and and we talked about the Goo Goo Dolls at length, mm-hmm. um, which which is the content you've all been begging for. Um, I don't know when my episode comes out. Sometime in March. Stay tuned. We'll be we'll be publishing it on the How Long Gone Radio stream as well because we're doing a little crossover. Thanks to Spotify. It's exciting to see um, this level of podcasting. Honestly, it, it, her intro and stuff. Check it out. It's really good. It's really, it's really well done. She got an original song made. I mean, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. I can't get, wait to get into the narrative space, just like her and some other Spotify originals. I love Spotify originals. You know, we should get well, who should we get to record a cover of Brooks and Dunn? How long gone to to be our to? Do you have any ideas off the top of the head? Well, Bruce Springsteen got a DUI, so I guess he's out. <laughs> but but I mean, what, you there can, are <laughs> you can't record covers after you've been popped for a DUI. I just don't want that connection to him right now. He's right, a little right, too right. hot. He's, yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah, too yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to stay away from the, that. You don't like the optics of it. We don't like the optics. I don't know. I mean, maybe Mulatto. Do you think Mulatto would do it? Well, I read that <laughs> Mulatto, R and B and rap singer, is has announced that she plans on changing her name this year. So. Again, I don't know if we want the optics of that either. Really not the heat. Damn, I keep picking bad stuff. Well, I mean, I guess we could talk to. I mean, I don't know. We it's could gonna talk be. To, it's gonna be T Grizzly, Chris. Come on. Damn, Big T would be fine. Don't front like you don't know who it's gonna be. Do you think Take Heath could flip the How Long Gone riff into a beat and then give it to T? A T? Drop it into Fruity Loops. It'll take him ten minutes. But we do not have. I don't think we have the budget right now to get. Unfortunately, him Unfortunately, we don't. But but thanks to Spotify, we could soon. 
Um, but we do need, I think we should, maybe we should put out with our gatefold LP greatest hits on Jag Jaguar. Maybe we should also put out a bonus seven inch for record store day. That's three covers of, of how long gone by Brooks and done by artists. We, so we're A&R now, bro. That's, that's what we're good. doing. Well, I think first we have to maybe clear it with the people who wrote the song. I know, I, I, even though it is our theme song for our podcast, it is not technically uh, ours. Well, Jason, you know, when in you the, in the eyes of the law, unfortunately, when you take something and make it more famous, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 you're right. It, it legally isn't yours, but that's something that we could possibly work around. I feel right. Like. So you, so some type of audio based squatters' rights could be enacted where we can well, we can make a case for the court. What we could do, another option, is we could maybe maybe we could get Brooks and Dunn to record it with someone new so it brings them back into the limelight. Brooks and Dunn, Lil Uzi Vert. For example, no, Casey Musgrave's new album coming out. Casey Musgrave's Divorce Mushroom album coming out. What what does she need more than the HLG bump? Did you just say Divorced Mushroom? Well, it's it's about divorce and psychedelics. So you know it's gonna. So you know it's gonna fucking slap. She she's in the. She, Did she get divorced? Yeah yeah she's single. Shorty single. Okay. She's on the so, cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, cover of Rolling Stone by by Ryan McGinley today. Full article behind a paywall, but you know how to use incognito mode. Okay, so that is great news for me. I'm glad that that she is off off of a bean, and then I'm glad that she's on the market. Off a of bean and on the market, Casey Musgrave. You know our our guest today. How's she looking on the cover? Is she looking good. She looked good. Our okay. guest today could actually do a very interesting theme song for How Long Gone. Mm-hmm. And I know he'd be taking mushrooms too, probably. Yeah, he definitely be gone off the off the stimmies. Um, no check. Uh, our our guest today is Rye, uh, better better known as Rye. His name is Mike Milos. He's a uh, producer, uh, singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, originally from mm-hmm. a, a, a voice of silk. A voice of silk. Originally from Canada. Thank God, eh? Um, but but now now. So now we're gonna have to do ten minutes on Canada. Shane. We always have to do ten minutes on Canada. <laughs> uh, now now lives now lives in beautiful Los Angeles, just like us. Jason, and I love his music. You probably all love his music. His his new album um, just came out. Uh, Home. Um, like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, we included some of those songs on um on How Long Gone Radio. His first album is an absolute classic that we all rinse to death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if your car gets the radio station KCRW, you know everything there is to know about this man already. Should I do this whole podcast as Jason Bentley and see if he notices? <laughs> it'll it'll be a trigger for him, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. It's it's Jason Bentley. KCRW. Oh, it's too close. It's too close. <laughs> to KCRW. We're gonna talk to Mike about about his new record, about his uh, Topanga Canyon spread that he shares with his partner, mm. uh, Secular Sabbath. Hanging out with our 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 boss Diplo, fighting with record labels, touring, sounding like a beautiful woman. There's so much to cover. Bye. Let's hit let's hit him. How long gone? is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me, and uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships 
with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long that's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert we like dealing with professionals so i, I thought maybe you'd come through with the full you know setup but you know i, I like this low i test. do have a full setup as well with like a proper radio mic but it's like Oh yeah, it's harder to set up, and it's like because my studio, my studio, I purposely don't. <laughs> it's harder it is, to set and up. I, I don't have Wi-Fi in my studio purposely, so I don't like go on Instagram while I'm working. Wow, that's a. That, this is going to be a, an episode full of life hacks already. Yeah, that's one <laughs> yeah, of them. That's... Have bad internet in your recording studio. Well, but you live in this. I mean, we're we're seeing a little bit of this beautiful vaulted ceiling here, but I mean, the Topanga the Topanga Wi-Fi is notoriously not great. 
Hang on, no, the reason why this man has beams in the crib. No, he's got beams. The, be- the beams of the, the oh Jesus Christ. That, that's why our Wi-Fi is not good. We're at the top of the mountain with no neighbors. Yeah. At the top, it's just us. At Who's the, the top, it's just us. <laughs> just us. That is just us. So did you have to? So when you moved into this house, did you have to do a bunch of work and stuff to make it like technologically sound to even operate as a musician? Not really. I had to build the studio out. So I took one of the existing structures and set up the studio, and that took about a month. Yeah. But um, that wasn't getting it up to speed technically wise. I was just getting all the preamps in. The shit in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, but, and because I don't want Wi Fi in the studio, I wasn't trying to, to, yeah. I did have an incident where after I moved in and got the piano in and everything, there was a flood, and I was like, oh shit. Had to Bummer. bring in like somebody, yeah, and like have to waterproof it, like dig out this trench, and then spray this like pink waterproof, like like crazy toxic material on the outside. So yeah, that, I was like, whoa, didn't think about that. But um, damn, okay, well, yeah. home ownership has its ups and downs, doesn't it's it? True, it is. Very I mean, true. this house, ha- this house. Well, I'm glad that we're all sorted. Yeah, we're we're happy. We're happy the piano survived. You know, that's what's really important. It's true. It is actually. Yeah. I mean this this house seems like a real uh, a move. Like, did you live in Topanga before? Or did you live in a different part of LA? I lived with my partner Genevieve in downtown LA in a loft where every time I'd park my car, some dude was literally going to the bathroom, and I just like one day I was like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I can't be parallel parking while there's a man. I can't be covered in feces and urine every yeah. single every, day. Not every, every day. Not every not every day. day. I just, no, I mean, I get <laughs> we so we talk it. we talk often about downtown LA and how how unfortunate it is that it is just a sea of urine. Unfortunately, yeah, and it's not like those people's fault. Like it's nobody cares no. to help out all these people that are like it's the land that it's that crazy. time forgot. Unfortunately, well, yeah. congrats on getting out of there. It makes it makes Topanga life that much sweeter. Yeah. It's true. Have you have you thought about maybe having this crib on the art architectural digest, perhaps? Uh, we get a lot of requests, um, and we get a lot of requests. To film up <laughs> don't here. Fl- don't flex on us like that. We, look, we get a lot of requests, Jason. We're we're still. Does, do. this, does your house have its own PR? <laughs> well, we've rejected all the requests. Um, okay. Oh, are you? What are you holding out for? I mean, what, who are you? Are you just holding out in general? It's kind of a sacred place. Like I don't want to just. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? It would have to be the like right that. scenario for me to let someone do something here or shoot here or do something like that. But So like if Letterman had you on his Netflix show, you would let him kind of come around and, you know, kick the tires perhaps. Maybe not Letterman. I would do it, yeah. <laughs> I, would do it, I would do it for okay. Letterman. I would do it I for think Letterman. that's a letterman's a yeah. good letterman's a good bar i think that's like a pretty high that's a pretty high bar but i mean did you yeah. have so when you were living downtown did you have a separate studio as well that was yeah so my bass player and his business partner acquired uh earth wind and fire's old studio which is called revival is- complex uh beautiful wow. room was designed by george massenbury so i had my drum set up there my piano there yeah. and I had all my compressors and preamps at his studio and then when i bought this place i just was Part of me buying this place was I wanted to bring the studio to my house. Um, so I moved everything from their studio here. And it was like part of my workflow. I wanted to be I wanted to be in the country, like on a mountaintop, just making music, you know. So you so you consider your home to be a very sacred place, you said. Yeah, and it's a it's it's sacred to both me and Genevieve. Like we do a lot of things here that are creative. And um mm-hmm. even the way we look at the space, like we've got a gazebo up at the top that 
we do like a, a morning tea ritual every morning and Jean-Vierre then writes for like three hours without really talking to anyone. Um, Damn. You know, the, to get on... Sounds like a dream scenario. Yeah, we have a lot of land. So, you know, we also have a guest house that her dad, he had a double lung transplant and Jean-Vierre's his primary caregiver. So buying a house that had a guest house that we could have her dad on the property was also really important. So... And he's an amazing guy. Like I get along with him super, super well, and he's really funny and nice. And it's been really cool watching him. He pays his rent on time. He pays his rent on time. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm like knocking at his door. I'm like, I know you're healing from a double lung transplant, but get, get, give me that money. Now he's he's a he's a rad dude. He's a rad dude, and it's been really good for him. Yeah. What do you do exactly on your morning tea ritual besides drinking tea? Obviously. Yeah, it's not like Earl Grey. We do like uh sure, sure, we do sure, like yeah. <laughs> It's not some PG tips. It's not PG tips. Yeah, it's not PG tips. <laughs> We're not doing red rose. It's not the red rose like teeth right. Okay, we do, it's we some do, like, shit that you can't get, bro. They yeah. don't have this shit at Vons. They do not have it at Vons. It's um <laughs> We import all this tea from from China and Taiwan and it's like a gung fu style tea ceremony where mm-hmm. you have small cups but lots of them and you aerate the tea and mm-hmm. the tea changes over the multiple cups and it's kind of like a meditation without the first being... pressing is different than the second pressing yeah. and things get better and worse yeah my yeah. Uh, one of my closest friends his mom is really into that super crazy expensive imported from china tea yeah and she was saying like some of that shit it costs more than than some high high level flour I'm talking about marijuana here. You know what I'm saying? So, I actually... How much is that shit hitting per pound is what I'm asking you, Chief. Honestly, some tea is really expensive. I know. Um, well, sometimes it's worth buying it when you're in Taipei, for example, because it's they don't mm-hmm. really know what you're importing. You've got these cakes of tea. Yeah. Um, some cakes are like $10,000. Some cake, cakes are Damn. 50 bucks. It depends on yeah, how yeah, old and from where and... Yeah, I don't blow ten thousand dollars on a cake of tea though. Like I'm not that guy. Right. I don't roll that 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 hard with my tea. No. Um, That's some Elon Musk level shit. That is. If I'd be surprised if he did tea ceremony, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we like would his, too. We would too. We would too. Yeah, I think he's more of like a coffee enema kind of guy. But you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> funny, funny you say that because don't J- don't come for the enema. Jason is actually a known coffee enema guy himself, and that's probably the only thing him and Elon have in common. Like you've been doing your homework. I'm kind of psychic. I can feel things, and because I, I was like, yeah, this Jason dude, he feels like a coffee enema kind of guy. Like, you could you could you could tell that he might have a little splatter on the bathroom walls. And yeah, I just I just sense it's, that it's, it's from a fine Ethiopian, isn't it? I could sense it. Could Do you are you are you off coffee completely? Or are you like a tea and water only guy? I've only drank two cups of coffee my whole life. So Ooh. it's not that I'm off coffee. I never got into. So you had one Tim. What Hortons. about an espresso martini? Though, <laughs> you, yeah. One Tim Hortons. Dude, I've <laughs> never I've never had a Tim Hortons coffee. Um, what? Not you never had a double Canadian. double? I've never had a Tim Hortons coffee. I've had Mike. the odd donut hole. I've had the odd donut. There hole. we go. Okay, that's yeah. more important. A Tim bit is probably yeah. more important than the double double. I would I've, say. I've had a Tim bit. You know, when the when the tea when the tea is as good as it is at Timmy's, why would you have coffee? Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tea, the tea <laughs> at, at Tim Hortons is so. <laughs> Highbrow. It's so highbrow. That's actually, yeah. he didn't want to tell us, but that's actually, when he was saying importing tea, he's actually meaning importing, yeah. Yeah. importing from Canada. Tim Hortons from, from, from the north. 
Vancouver's yeah. probably the closest. Yeah, you take one sip of that, you're like, it doesn't have to be this good, but how does Tim do it? <laughs> how does know. Tim do it's it? It's northern high mountain tea from Tim Hortons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no. A Tim Hortons, sadly, has never done it for me. I know it's like the pride of Canada. I'm like, really? It's not what, well, what's your... Yeah, what's, I mean... What's, McDonald's doesn't do it for us. If it yeah, it yeah, that's true. What's your favorite yeah. Canadian export? That what do you miss the most about the homeland? Besides ooh, the friendly ooh. people, obviously, of course. Yeah, like my family and my friends and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I was talking more. I was talking more. President's Choice canned cold brew or something important, or maybe a President's Choice chocolate chip cookie, maybe. Okay, so President's Choice. I think they're referring to Trump on that and his level of discernment because President's <laughs> Choice is not. He does have good taste. He has really great taste. <laughs> it that is not a great cookie. The President's Choice cookie is like soy lecithin as an emulsifier. Pomp, like it's a terrible ingredient. Damn, no. Mike, you're coming. Golly, Mike's firing shots at the homeland left and right here. I'm sorry to our Canadian listeners. Mike, where do you stand on xanthan gum, though? You like xanthan gum? <laughs> I'm not a xanthan gum kind of guy. I'm not into <sighs> emulsifiers, dude. I'm not right, into the right. emulsification of any product. Mm-hmm. You like it loose. That's I fair. like it not just loose. I like it like fresh. I like it. What raw. about an emulsified, a natural emulsification, like as you might do with a, a olive oil vinaigrette? Well, you can't really emulsify the balsamic vinegar unless you've got a good Dijon in there. You want like an Alsatian Dijon. Oh, oh. Like, I walked you into a trap and you hit a home run <laughs> with yeah, that I mean, answer. You could, you could try all day and I'll probably swing for you. <laughs> he said, come for me, bro. <laughs> he yeah. said, come he said the Alsatian Dijon. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you, you are right about that. You do need a, an emulsifying agent like a fine Dijon to... I, I, I knew you were trying to catch me there, but... If you have yeah. the hand strength... And a good quality whisk, you know, you might get a little something going. You get some separation, though. I mean, you can whisk that all day, and you're going to get some separation. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. You know. Damn. So, Mike, you're you're of the culinary arts, is what it seems like. Not only do you enjoy the fine teas of the world. Yeah, you, you've revealed yourself. The fine musics of the world. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm very famous for being very serious about eggs. <laughs> I did not know this about uh, you. How, how, would, how okay. would we know that exactly? Is that like a, a, no, a publicized <laughs> – is that in the liner notes? Like what are we talking about here? I did a four-page spread. Did you talk about that when you were on Rogan? No, not on Rogan. <laughs> I did a four-page spread in a la carte magazine. Really? Where they flew over a journalist what? just to what? photograph me cooking eggs. Because I take Damn. eggs super seriously. Yeah, oh. yeah. So he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a chef in the kitchen, not just in the studio is what you're saying. Okay. Just for breakfast. Just prepare, breakfast. Um, prepare to only talk about eggs for the next hour, Mike. Um, we can talk about it all day. Well, we can talk about eggs all day. I assume, I assume you keep chickens? <sighs> okay, so there's a point of tough contention subject. here. Uh, it's a tough subject because we have a lot of mountain lions. We have a lot of bobcats. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about do we want to have a chicken coop or not. I feel they're going to be destroyed. Um, yeah. Right now, we get all our eggs from uh, Apricot Lane because we go to the Calabasas uh, market, and their eggs are amazing. But little known fact about them, they sell fertilized eggs, so they're not unfertilized eggs. Hmm. And fertilized eggs have a completely different, like very rich taste and very orange, and um, that's the key to a good egg. An unfertilized egg is more dank. I hear the weed reference. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if dank would be the term, but okay. I think they're more robust. They're more robust. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for using yeah. terms that, that that I can understand and not 
stooping to Jason's level. Robusto. Okay. I mean, I've never, I've never smoked weed in my whole life. So like, once it gets into weed categorization, uh, you know, like that category, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I don't. Have so you're telling, you're telling me, you're telling, are you, are you drug free, Mike? I'm drug free. Yeah. I've always been. That's really interesting, actually. I'm that weird guy that's. That's never smoked weed, and you're like, wait, what? Like you've never tried weed? I'm like, yeah. But your 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 life partner will dabble, though, right? She she grew up in a very different environment. She grew up at Esalen and Big Sur. Her like, yeah, okay. Um, her mom. It's in the water. Yeah, and her mom was there for 50 years, and she ran the Healing Arts Center there, and they were doing a lot of like, if you read Michael Pollan's book, a lot mm-hmm. of the. LSD experiments were actually mm. at Esalen. I mean, even Aldous Huxley mm-hmm. wrote The Island based on Esalen, you know, and he wrote Brave New World after being there. And, um, so, yeah, no, the culture in California that dates back to the 60s and 70s was very experimental. And her parents were definitely definitely part of that in a really cool way, not in a bad way. But were you just not interested or, or did it did it were you scared? Like, what do you think kept you away when you were younger? So I remember one time seeing my dad smoking uh, some marijuana mm-hmm. and I saw him exhaling and I saw an image of his soul like coming out of his body and it just never left me. And I just, for some reason that just hit me in a way where I was like, I, yeah, for me, it's not right. Did you have a, did, did okay. you have, what was your relationship like with your dad? Was that, is that a testament to the relationship or was it just something that stuck with you? No, no. This stuff with my dad's great. My dad's like a huge part of why I do music. Like he's a violinist. He got me okay. solo. I played with him. Um, my dad's like a tough guy. That's super nice. Like he doesn't tell you it's amazing unless it's good. Like he doesn't sugarcoat mm-hmm. anything. But I actually think that's positive. I don't think you need to reward people for uh, failing. Like I think it's nice to actually push people to be positive. You know, to be good. Agree. He's uh, no. I've an amazing relationship with my parents. My parents are super. Super amazing people, really nice. With those, with those instruments, with the cello, violin, that stuff, it does seem very. Um, it seems regimented in a way that maybe like learning guitar at that age doesn't. Um, is that yeah, safe? Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I started really young, and I started the Suzuki method, which is still mm-hmm. based around having fun and being very tactile. But there's a lot of uh, theory, and there's a lot of perfection with like how you place your arm and how you use the bow and you just have to get that where piano you can hit it it's going to sound good but cello mm. you got to really so you're you got to work at it to get it you started time. on cello nuanced. yeah started i was three when i first started playing cello jeez so the, the cello was bigger than you when you're young you play a smaller cello it's not a full-size full cello tiger woods ass over here starting real young where the putter's too big you are the tiger woods of cello i'm not the ch- i'm not though because i'm not an amazing cello player but mm. Um, I didn't keep it up after I was 16. I kind of switched to drums and I went to university for jazz drums and stuff, but, uh, classical music and strings has always, like, I think that way when I'm composing songs, like I love, uh, like arranging all the strings and creating suspensions and I really leave a lot of room for strings in the song. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, I think that that's a interesting way to approach it versus like you know playing the guitar and kind of fucking around and, and coming to it later you know i think you got the foundation you were learning to read music as like a child yeah 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 definitely and um and i was in choirs as a kid and i went to a dance school so i did ballet as well which is also very regimented and yeah the patterns are there's a lot of discipline 
Uh, and then I like did speed swimming as well. So I was like competitive swimmer. What the hell? Damn. All right, bro. Leave something for the man. rest of us. All right. Leave something for the rest of us. All right. Relax. <laughs> relax. My okay. Damn. And, oh, and then on top of all that, I'm also psychic. You were essentially, you were, you were mentioning, you know, like you were able to see your dad's soul leaving his body. You were mentioning uh-huh. having some sort of psychic abilities and mm-hmm. ability to read people's auras and things like that. How, why, you know, elaborate on that. Was there an, a, a eureka moment? Was it always there? Did something happen? The first time I ever saw an aura, if you really want to go down that, that we route. We do. I, I think, um, are we talking to the ho- the other Hollywood medium right now? Or is this – I just want to make sure we're on the this right podcast. This is it. This is your moment. Okay, this good. This is your moment. Okay, good. Okay. I'm sitting, this, this I'm sitting down. This endlessly, endlessly interesting to us. Honestly, I'm down because most of the interviews I do are like, oh, like, why would you make a record? And like, So let's go for it. Um, yeah, we love your music. We don't give a fuck about talking about it. <laughs> Great. That's perfect. Okay. So I'm skateboarding. I'm like – 10 or 11 years old and my best friend at the time was named Sahab amazing dude and we used to skateboard like to the wee hours because both our parents had very lazy fair attitudes in terms of like curfews and stuff and and we were skating and we used to like steal like wood from construction sites and build ramps and like whatever mm-hmm. and there was one time where I saw him coming around this corner and he was doing a power slide and he fell and he slipped and he like hit the ground really hard and I saw this like explosion of red shoot from him out from him and I saw this red color like mm-hmm. and it was like just shooting from him and he was super angry that he fell and I was like it was the first time I realized that this red explosion was because he was angry and he was angry at himself for falling and not like pulling off his trick or something like that but mm-hmm. um, that was the very first time I was like oh wow there's like because as a kid when I saw the soul with my dad that was an isolated thing and I didn't know that it was different I thought you're so young unless you see something like whatever. Mm-hmm. But everyone sees the red when things like that happens. Oh, sorry. Everyone does. But that was like the first <laughs> time I was like, okay, I, I do like, like the mystic. Like I'm interested yeah. in music to mm-hmm. me is, is mystical and I'm not scared of it in any way. Yeah. Okay. Are you still seeing things like that nowadays? Do you really want to know that? Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, I do see tons of things. Do you want me to I'll tell you like a really crazy one? Yes. Okay. How, could yes. we, how could we say no to that? Why? Right. You, yeah, you, you're and... looking. You're looking at me like a, we're scared. Like you're like I, I'm. We're asking. You know. All right. No. Okay. Here we go. So I'm playing it. We're we're going I'm on this trip. I'm playing a show in you. Italy. You're going on a trip. Okay. So I'm playing a show in Italy, and we're playing this tiny little town. They're doing this festival. It's really strange because I'm like, how do they even afford to bring bands there? Mm-hmm. And the guy opening for us was the drummer for Caribou, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we get there to do sound check. It's an old, the history of the, the town where there was like a Freemason slash Rosicrucian hideout in like the 1400s or something. And we're in the green room and I hear this chanting and we look to this kind of churchy looking room that's below us through like a, kind of like a crack in the wall that had been covered up. And we see these people in these cloaks singing this really weird chant. It's like two in the afternoon. Cool. Well, that was neat, but it felt kind of weird. But I was like, why are they dressed in these cloaks? Boom, fast forward to I'm in the middle of the concert and I'm playing and we're in the square and there's this massive church and there's this beautiful old tree in the middle and there's like 500 people just watching us play. And I see this black, like solid black absence of light creature come out from behind the tree. And it's huge. It's like seven and a half feet tall. You're on stage. You're you're singing like you're fully performing. I'm singing. I'm fully performing. And to be honest, I've gotten really good at not being affected like by the crowd, like I stay in it. Yeah. I'll see a fight break out at a festival and I'm like, oh, I'll just keep singing. Or 
something will happen or someone talking. I'm like, oh, I'll ignore it or I don't know. Like mm. someone flashes you and you're like, whatever. You just keep saying. I love, <laughs> I love the idea of, of a fight breaking out during a rye set, though. That's my that's my favorite <laughs> scenario. I think. I saw it at Coachella. Actually, I was like. <laughs> That's weird. That is not what the music inspires in me personally, but everybody no, comes to things differently. No. I know. I know that. Exactly. You know, but I see this creature like roll out and he has red eyes, but they're not glowing red. They're just red. And he's like just looking at me and he keeps doing this weird thing with his head, kind of like what dogs do where like they, it was like he was turning his head sideways trying to like figure me out or something. Mm-hmm. This creature like watched three songs and then like. So he was fucking with the set. He liked what he heard. Do you think he worked at Pitchfork? <laughs> oh, that would that would explain it. That would explain it. Those creatures over there. Yeah, okay, it. sorry. Go continue. No, he did not work at Pitchfork. I don't think he was a musician or a or viewer. I think he was just like this weird thing that I saw in Italy. And then he went and kind of rotated out and disappeared behind a tree. And then we just did the rest of the concert. And it was super fun. It was cool. And fast forward to three in the morning. So I don't tell my whole band about it because I'm like, everyone just thinks I'm going to be... Like, like having problems, you know. Hey, like did you guys see, also or, see that demon yeah. on, on Song Twelve? So I, did, so I didn't bring it up. The next day, I'm eating breakfast in the the lobby of this super old hotel that we're in, and my bass player is like ghostly white. I'm like, "What's up, dude?" He's like, "Dude, I had like a really, really strange experience last night." I was like, "What's that?" It was like three in the morning. Like this black creature came over my bed and like compressed me and was pushing me down, and I was paralyzed and I couldn't move. And he's like, "I got into this kind of." like challenge with uh this entity where i was telling it i wasn't scared of it and stuff and i i was like that's really weird dude like and i described what i saw and he was like it's, it looked exactly the same as that and so it was weird to have me not tell anyone about it and then him him confirm that's this really weird creature what what is that condition called when you feel like you have like a, a demon over your bed holding you down sleep sleep paralysis sleep paralysis right so it, yeah. it, it sounded like that a little bit when you were describing it it completely did, and I've like you know I've seen that documentary about sleep paralysis, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that sounds like. But what I saw wasn't I wasn't sleeping. I was like mid performance, and I was very awake, you know. So occasions like this arise all the time. I guess if I was, you know, possessing the same brain as you, I probably wouldn't want to do drugs either. Yeah, I don't know if it's connected to that or not, but um, I also have like a type of synesthesia, which is connected to epilepsy, and mm. I already I already dance in these kind of like liminal spaces that are outside of reality when I have an episode. So I'm like, I think there's an element of it. I don't want to push the envelope on that with, uh, with drugs. Cause yeah. my episodes are actually incredibly painful. They're not like, like physically oh, tasted colors. Right. Yeah. Like I feel like my skin's on fire and like, I feel this really, really gross sensation in my mouth. How long does something like that last? Wow. Like two minutes. Usually it's very disorientating and yeah, I'd like forget who's if I'm talking to someone I won't know who they are for that period of time and crazy. How often does this happen? Uh, I've like figured out strategies for controlling it. So when I was young, I was getting them a couple times a day, and they were very like consuming. And then as I got older, I started being able to envision this like circle, and outside the circle was the episode, and inside the circle was normality. And I would kind of mm. push through that, and mm. I kind of keep it at bay, but. If I get exhausted or if I get really tired, I get them. So, like, on tour, sometimes I'll get them at night. I'll just be lying in my bed, and I'd have to, like, talk myself out of it kind of. Like. I'm glad you figured out a strategy to control it. I mean, that's, like, that's the hardest part, I'm sure. Yeah, because w- with epilepsy, people, you know, go on a lot of medication and stuff, and I didn't mm. 
want to be on any medication. And the other thing is it's kind of a gift in a way because it gives you a lot of uh, objective perspective on anything that's sensory-based. I can feel it in really intense, overwhelming ways sometimes. So like if I'm in a room and there's really gross frequencies, I can start to feel that sensation and I apply that to music, you know. Like if there's a nasty frequency in there, I get it out so that the music stays soothing. And yeah. I convert it into something that I use in music. The process of removing it is you have to experience it and that can be painful, but at least you have the the power and the know-how to, to clear it out and get rid of it. Blessing and a curse. Yeah, like certain things I can feel really negatively in my temple or in my jaw and I'll, I'll make sure we omit that. Like. Mm-hmm. with equalizers and stuff like that and i'll ask other people and they don't feel it yeah. the same way equalizers like, okay. as in literally removing frequencies yeah yeah oh totally. wow they don't have that in ableton do they <laughs> they do but not <laughs> it's not you gotta yeah they do like weirdly yeah damn so so you know like certain like actual musical frequencies that you can assign a number to that might be more favorable or less favorable yeah any mixer would though like for example you start to understand that like anything below 100 creates aggregate low end that you know builds up in a track it makes tracks muddies and mm-hmm. even when i do vocal performances live we always cut below 200 on my voice because my voice doesn't really have much below 200 so why have all that mm-hmm. low end stuff and it makes your voice clearer live and but when you deal with cellos for example let's say you're going to stack like 12 channels of cellos and it's the same cello there'll be a frequency in like the 400 range that will build up over the stack so you got to omit them on some of them so you don't get this aggregate kind of muddy gross frequency that builds up and but that like any mixer would know that like that's not like a synesthesia thing right 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 yeah i mean any mixer would know that but i feel like you have like a different way of where you're like oh that sounds off but you feel it versus yeah like it's a gross feeling yeah right yeah which is very interesting to me you know it seems like a a great way to learn things it's just like you were saying your your dad is not afraid to say things to you or only congratulate you when something really good happened and won't do it when something bad happens like that type of reinforcement you you're affected by it physically. Well, yeah, like I love the idea of tough love. Actually, like the first record I ever did, it's a Milos record called "You Make Me Feel," and I showed it to my dad, and he literally thought it sucked. You know, he, like, <laughs> did he say like it sucks? He just left the room, didn't even finish listening to it. Jesus, he didn't think it was good. Jesus. But this, but you were making like electronic music, and maybe he wasn't really able to understand that or appreciate it as much. No, he said there was too many clashing notes. Oh, okay. So he was like, he's like, the, the arrangements are off. Like, there's too many clashing notes. And he wasn't one to congratulate me if I didn't deserve the congratulations. So mm-hmm. there's definitely something in me that always wants to impress my dad. Like, even getting the choir on this record, I'm like, oh, I hope my dad thinks this is cool, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a classical musician. And I'm like, I'm doing it for, for that or that. Do you play him music in progress and stuff? Or do you, or do you guys discuss it while you're doing no. it? No. No, never, never. No, he's a little, like, no, no. I'll just, and I don't like to be around when he listens to it either. Like, I'm not going to sit there and watch him listen to that's it. The, well, that's, I mean, I don't like to be around, I don't like to listen to anyone's music with them. Like, in a studio setting, I no, always. it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. Because you basically have to say it's good or it's going to be very uncomfortable, to, unless you're very close with the person and I'm with you. I don't want to, I don't want to lie for the sake of lying. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. No, there's no point. And it's like, music is supposed to be like just heard. I don't know, you're supposed to have your own experience with it, so why put that extra pressure on it? There's certain people that I trust to listen to my music, 
And I usually watch their bodily reaction to the music more than what they tell me. Because、mm. you can see, like, if someone's blinking the whole time on, like, a, a drum pass, you're like, oh, that, that snare is, like, hurting, like, they're, like, they're wincing from it, you know? Or if someone holds their breath at a part, like, it's because the anticipation worked, you know? Or when they start breathing quicker, a, you, you can, like, you can observe these things about people, but people don't always tell you what the right thing is. It's better to kind of observe、mm-hmm. how they experience it as opposed to, Their intellectual argument. The, as Shakira says, the hips don't lie. Good point. They do not lie. Yeah.、So、They don't just, lie. So you just sit down, sit someone at the board, you turn on your new record, you just stare at them and watch their every move to, to pick up, <laughs> to pick、yeah. up, to pick up. It's a real, it's a fun、like、setup to a heart rate monitor, obviously. Yeah, they're on yeah, the heart rate monitor. Like that, yeah.、Like、<laughs> it's, a cool, it's a cool vibe at the studio. <laughs>、uh, I got, well, so like your earlier career, you were making more electronic music, right? Yeah, yeah. What, sentimental, you, but electronic, yeah. What do you mean by sentimental exactly? Like vocal driven still,、yeah. and、um, like in the same world as Rye, just way cheesier. You know? Yeah. Before, <laughs> you were, before you were releasing electronic music as, you know, that was like mid 2000s or something like that? Like- yeah, first record came out 2004、uh, with Plug Research, a tiny little LA bass level that、mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. Um, third record with them in K7. It's actually why I moved to Germany because I was like getting into techno and K7 was doing all those DJ Kicks compilations. And I think I just got technoed out. That's why I actually started the Ride Project. I was in Berlin and so much techno and I loved it. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to do something different. And I kind of wanted to return back to much more organic instruments and piano and、mm-hmm. strings and woodwinds and stuff like that. Before you were doing that, like what, were you listening to some cool electronic music like as a, a youngster in the 90s? Oh my God. I loved like, a lot of experimental electronic. I loved a u t e c h e r They were one of my favorite groups. And、mm-hmm. to some people, a u t e c h e r is not listenable. I mean, it's so. It's like weird. And, It is. You know, Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, that whole Warp series, Red Snapper. Like,、mm-hmm. There was a lot of music in there.、Um, I also like that whole techno dance scene that came into Toronto from like Carl Craig to Derek May, you know, like proper、mm-hmm. dance music and Ella Planet E kind of stuff. And did, you ha- did you have a DJ name as like when you were listening to that stuff as a, as a kid in the 90s? I never DJed. Never DJed. And, no,、okay. I didn't DJ. Yeah, I never really wanted to DJ actually. I like DJs.、Mm-hmm. I just never wanted to DJ myself, you know. Okay. I like watching what DJs do and like observing how they control a room. Yeah. And then I, I love that mentality. But I'm interested in playing、uh, like live instruments and stuff like、mm-hmm. that. But there's a lot you can learn from a really good DJ when you watch them just get a, a room going and they set a tone. And, oh, yeah. Actually, my roommate Kelly was a DJ in Montreal and every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd be with him. He'd be DJing and I'd just be hanging out. And,、uh, It's really cool to watch like, what would lose a crowd versus what would keep a crowd. And he got really good at like, maintaining the crowd's energy. And his whole theory is like, as long as the, the, the women in the room are happy, then it's a good party. So he's always like, keeping the, the girls dancing. That was always my theory as well. I always, I always had the same exact yeah. thing. Yeah, like, why, you, do you really want to be in, you know, like, like all testosterone, angry、mm-hmm. hip hop shows? Not that fun. Like, I'm like, great, whatever. But if everyone's like having fun and dancing with each other, and yeah. 
It's it's interesting because Jason, I've seen you DJ a million times. The only thing I learned was how to smoke cigarettes and hit buttons at the same time. So that's I don't I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I was I, I wasn't seeing it the right Do way. Do not insult my clairvoyance in the club, Chris. I'm sorry. That's the sleight of hand of a DJ. It's true. That's the sleight. It's true. Of hand, he made it look so effort. Effortless. You think he's just like doing nothing? Yeah. <laughs> like when you watch Wes, like Diplo DJ, because you know I'm really good friends with him. I have the same DJ a lot. Like he looks like he's just partying, but he's really thinking about what is happening to keep the party going. You know, like there's a reason why he's successful. He keeps people going. It's really cool to watch. He he gets the people going. Yeah, it's similar to the yeah. it, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap phrase. You know, it takes a lot of years and experience to make it look like you're just up there hitting buttons because anyone can do that, but you aren't, and he is or she is exactly, and and he or she is doing it better. Mm-hmm. You know, justice for DJ. It's about time DJ's got a little respect. I'm just kidding. That's never going to happen, but <laughs> they do. I mean, one, one can drink. They get rich. That's good enough, right? Well, they get rich. They don't even need respect because they got so much money. That's but, what I'm saying. That's like, exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like we can be mean to them. They can afford it. <laughs> Actually, Jason and I, we do this music show and uh, for Spotify and, and he's, he introduces me to a lot of electronic music lately that has made me open my third eye a little bit because I'm much more of a meat, mm. a meat and potatoes. Like I needed to have a guitar and be made in the nineties and come out on sub pop, you know, for like me to really care. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to have my eyes open though, because I think there's more, I think it, it just takes somebody that knows you, I think, to introduce you to the genre with stuff they think you will like. And I think it's hard to kind of break through on your own without a shaman. Okay, so without the shaman and reverse engineering, if you go sub pop, you have postal service, take it <laughs> one step back and you go Dintel. And you're like, okay, yeah. Dintel was doing this really cool experimental music that it's like, some of it's pretty out there. And he's got James Figurine as well, which is kind of like techno, but it's not. And then he like brought it into pop for sub pop with Postal Service. Yeah. And you're like, okay, really eclectic. And when you go backwards through his discography, you're like, wow, like it's kind of cool to see how he got to sub, to uh, Postal yeah, Service totally. from this really interesting was like a thing. You know, that was like a thing that like, yeah. if you were listening to that kind of music, that might be a little bit further out of the scope, but you checked it out because of the, the relationships, you know, because of where it comes from, like you're saying, you know what I mean? Like the, the architecture. Yeah, that underground L.A. indie label scene in the early 2000s was really special. You know, I was living in Canada, but I got signed to Plug Research because I loved, it was like Safety Scissors or something was the first record I heard. I was like, whoa, what's going on in L.A.? You know, like there's, Mm -hmm. it's not just techno or it's not just dance music because L.A. doesn't really have like a dance music scene like Berlin or Toronto or Montreal, but it's got this melding of singer-songwriter and electronic music thing that happened that was really, really interesting. It was a special time. Well, you could, I mean, someone could say the very same thing about your career trajectory as, as a Dintel or some, someone else like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool, yeah. You're, you're as good as Postal Service, I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. Oh, you I'm, know what? I'll say it. We're not afraid to say it here. We're outspoken guys. You know what I mean? We're not afraid to say it. Let's, let's talk about yeah. secular. I'd like to talk about secular Sabbath. How, is that cool? Yeah, what do you want to know? So, I mean, for our <laughs> listeners at home. Yeah, lo- yeah loser. What like questions a, do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Like, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's a thing that you do with your partner where people will gather around, you'll play some kind of ambient music and have a bit of a, a Sabbath, a ceremony, a meditative seance type of thing. I've never been to one, so I'm I'm just assuming that's what goes down. But could you describe you know what goes down to our listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. 
So they're long format events, 12 hours, sometimes 24 hours. We've even done 48 hours. <laughs> but we get people who wouldn't normally be in the ambient music space to do ambient music night like with us. And it's all improv based for the most part. So like I'll do a two hour vocal synth improv. And then like Diplo will do a kind of improv DJ slash produced ambient set or Joshua from Glitch Mob will do his or Joseph August who plays drums in normal bands like does this like really weird modular stuff and Joel Shear who's like a guitarist that's played with everyone from Fishbone to like Damien Rice he'll be doing these like looped weird but then we have tea ceremony usually at it we try to have massage therapists that Mm. Kind of come from Jean-Vivre's uh, Esalen upbringing because her mom ran the Healing Arts Center there for 50 years and mm-hmm. taught massage therapy. So we have like four-handed or six-handed massage for these like 20 increments. And we've done them um, in Iceland. Like me and Oliver Arnold did a four-hour oh. vocal piano improv together. That's how I kind of got to meet him musically. Crazy. And done them in L.A. We've done them in New York, London. Done them a lot in the desert. Um, we're doing one on Wednesday, actually, for Jean-Vivre's birthday for like, 10 people and we're not going to film it. We're just going to keep it really private. But yeah, it's kind of an experimental evening that part of it is like, you don't really, you can fall asleep if you want. You can, you know, the last one we got to do in LA, it was 300 people and we had like 120 Persian rugs put out in this uh, defunct, like uh, Buddhist temple in Highland Park. And we had dinner for like everybody and then breakfast as well. And performances through the night and we started the whole evening with holotropic breath work which is super intense to see 300 people like like doing this holotropic breath work yeah it's like pretty interesting and then it gets very trippy i think a lot of people um could categorize it as kind of trippy you never know what's going to happen because it's all improv based Mm -hmm. so yeah what about drug use is drug use encouraged is it not talked about is well you know what what is that how does that play into it the way i look at any of that stuff it's like we discourage alcohol because i think alcohol brings out the wrong mm-hmm. vibe in people i don't talk about anything else if someone like does like some shrooms like it has nothing to do with me like whatever mm-hmm. but the biggest thing is people just be really respectful of each other and nice and mm-hmm. but when you if you come to one of our events if, if you're a jerk like you'll be ousted pretty quick you know like yeah it's pretty mellow. Everyone's like there for that. You know, mm-hmm. we've done a couple in the hot springs where we had uh, two bunch of palms. The, the hot springs there, we had I think Cassie doing like sound bowls, but with people floating in the water and she's floating around you with like these sound healing bowls. <laughs> really, really beautiful experience. And uh, do you guys have like um, an ultimate end goal to it? Is there you know something that you'd like to achieve that you haven't had a chance to achieve with it yet? Well, we're just letting it grow naturally because it's like something we enjoy doing. Like one of the coolest things I did this whole pandemic was go to James Terrell's Rodent Crater and I did a performance for my friend Fatima who is like an amazing choreographer. She did some of the the choreography for Kanye West's choir thing that he did there. So mm-hmm. she kind of became friends with them and they let her come out for her birthday and had me sing and do a private secular Sabbath at James Terrell's Crater. And it was like... Yeah wow, this is inc- like, it's just for us in this moment too that we can't share with people, but it was, it was such a profound, beautiful moment that it informs other things I do musically. The end goal now is we're starting a record label and we're going to start putting out some ambient music and some of the artists that have worked with us uh, for the events, we're going to try to put out some of their music. And we're just kind of like going with it at a natural pace. Nothing, you know, we're not trying to take over the world. We're just trying to put out high quality, sonic quality, like high sonic quality mm. stuff. So, 
I did an hour-long record that we'll release at some point, and it's it's kind of more classical. There's a lot of piano, a lot of strings on it, vocals, but no words. Can't and, wait. Yeah, it's super chill. It's super chill. Are yeah, these yeah, are these ticketed? Like when we're saying 300 people, are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think most of them seem to be kind of invite only, and then there'll be some more public-facing ones as well, right? Yeah, because we can't ever do them that big yeah. because the Nate, like 300 we discovered is actually a bit too big. Um, you lose some of the intimacy. The ticket price is to make it possible because we definitely lose money on every single sure, one that we throw. Sure. But, you know, we don't do it for the yeah. money. But, yeah, you can't make a lot of money with 100 people in a room. Um, like, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. we're just covering the cost. But we kind of believe in the community that it creates. And I love, I know I love watching different musicians. Like there's Lo Fang who's toured with me. He's like open for me a lot. He's done a lot of them with us, like in Mexico and stuff. And he does these beautiful cello improvs and sings, but then he's like a joker as well. And, and I'll sing with them. And like, we did this one where we had everyone lying on the ground and me and Matt just walked over people singing at them. (laughs) And they're just like lying down and, you know, it's a weird thing to be like, wow, I went to a Rye show that had 3,000 people in Mexico. And then I somehow got into this 100-person event where I'm like standing over you. Singing, <laughs> yeah, you know? that, yeah. Kind of yeah, weird, but, weird. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but it's cool. Like, it's fun. Doing the Lord's work, yeah. I say. What is the... <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, what is the... Uh, I imagine you were supposed to be on tour right now. Yeah, we canceled so many shows. Huge bummer. Huge bummer. Where do you stand on doing, you know, virtual live stream concert events and things like that? I would like to do it, but I think with everything that I try to do to get it to a certain quality is really hard and really expensive. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably end up doing about two of them in the next like eight months. But we're already like trying to piece together how we're going to film a performance. And it's like just the overhead is like $50,000 just to get it off the ground. So... Because you, you you mentioned before you really really care about the the, the audio quality the sonic quality you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna do it if it's not just the right way that you want it to be yeah we're not just like putting up iPhones and hoping it sounds good mm-hmm. and it's just like you know right. um, don't talk about don't talk about this podcast while you're on it okay like let's not don't come for us <laughs> no, no, no 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 you guys sound great no but it's like music's really challenging when you have live drums totally. and and strings uh, to get the the mix right yeah. is really yeah, hard. When you but, watch a live stream video, you're just, if it if it sounds good, you're like, holy shit, this actually sounds halfway decent. You never you're, you're, you expect it to be kind of shitty, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but yeah, you, like you said, the, to get something filmed and looking really excellent, that's really going to cost a shitload of money. Yeah, and I've done a lot of the live streams with Secular Sabbath where we use like an iRig or these different like scenarios of being able to 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 try the live thing. And it's really challenging once you get more than one instrument. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. And then the camera, like, luckily I have a red camera and I filmed a bunch of them on my red camera. But, you know, to, to do high quality footage, you need like four red cameras and <laughs> you need people to operate it. And, you know, no one comes out. For no, free, then, we right? got the, then we're getting, then we're getting the unions involved. You know, it's a whole thing. It actually is. Like, I was kind of surprised. Like, the Jimmy Fallon show that we did was a huge production and it's a pandemic. And we're like, how do we do it? And we had like five cameras there. I've got my band, which is seven people. You know, then we had some rollerbladers rolling, rollerblading around us. I'm like, we're already at like 20 people out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, wait, like, Mm -hmm. so you have to do COVID testing. Like, 
it just gets really challenging really quickly. We haven't even had sweet green yet. It's a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask about that because I think these performances, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is that a lot of these late night performances, television, have been really great during COVID. Like people have gotten really creative and, and I, I don't know who's paying for it, whether there's a budget from the show or it's a sponsor from the show or it's the artist or the label or whoever, but it's making that thing that I, I always love late night tell I've, I've watched those on YouTube all the time, but it's made them yeah. a lot more compelling. And it's almost to me, it's, it's replaced the music video in some ways, as far as like production level goes. And like, I think a lot of people are mm-hmm. watching them. I don't know what you, what, so yeah. your experience of doing one though, it was a big deal. It was like a pain in the ass. Pain, I wouldn't say pain in the ass because like I enjoy those challenges, but it's, there's a lot of variables to consider and like you can't just do one a week, you know? Like the next thing that we're going to do, I'm like, okay, let's set it up. Where are we going to do it? What's the environment? Can we do it outside? Because that would make it a lot easier from a COVID perspective. Um, if it's outside, where are we doing that? Mm. Like my dream is to do it at an abandoned amphitheater in Greece. Mm. And I found this one amphitheater south of Athens that's like all marble. It's so oh, perfect. Cool. And I want to do something there. Mm. Yeah, but I'm like, okay, we have to fly there though. So we probably have to fly, have 10 days of quarantining. And then I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that off because that's like flights for 10 people. Like, you know, where's the money? Mm-hmm. There's there's some realities there. But I know I'm looking at a lot of places in LA too to think, how can we do this? That's... um visually beautiful but we can get the right acoustics as yeah. well like, what does that look like yeah i mean that's two different challenges right you know what i mean the the acoustic part and the yeah. aesthetically pleasing visually part and it's it's going to be tough but i think that also i think that i mean the grease thing sounds fucking insane i mean that sounds like perfect you know absolutely but that also that also yeah. sounds maybe like the hardest possible scenario so i mean everything i do is kind of like that like it wasn't easy <laughs> to get a 50 piece choir on my record like it's like oh, wow, okay, I've got 50 singers that i got to write the parts for, and they flew to California to do the choir parts. And I'm not trying to do things because they're easy. I'm just trying to do things that are artistically right for what I'm trying Mm. to do. If there was an easier way to do it, you would do it. You're not trying to be difficult for the sake of being difficult. No, yeah, it's like, what's cool? Mm -hmm. It's fucking cool to go to a Greek amphitheater. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. And no, I, beautiful. I like your spirit. Yeah. It's great. Because most people nowadays, unfortunately, are just like, oh, it sounds like too much of a trouble. You know, I'm just not even going to think about it or consider it. And, you know, the world needs more people like you who are like, it's going to be a lot more work, but it is possible. We can get it done somehow. And that's how you create those, you know, moments that people will remember far beyond your years. Yeah, like dream big. Because like, I mean, life's, this one big dream anyway. So why don't have big dreams and try to accomplish it? And I don't know, it just ends up being more worth it. There's something really beautiful about, you know, when I first put the Rye Band together, it was a lot cheaper to go with like three people, but I'm like, no, I want the strings though. Mm -hmm. And I want the Hammond B3 organ there. It's like, okay. The very first tour I put together, I lost like $53,000. And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Let me rethink this. Um, okay, how are we going to do this? The only way I can make money as a musician is by touring, and I lost 53000 doing that. So maybe the T-shirts should cost more? How do we do this? We're, we're, yeah, the... yeah, and you start to think of ways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you... you know, how do you offset those costs and whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, speaking, Chris was mentioning aesthetics a second ago. I've noticed that you have, oh, you always have a very nice sweater on. Yeah. What are uh, what are your favorite sweater brands? This is Elder Statesman. Love Elder Statesman. I knew it was Elder. I was yeah. going to call it yeah. out, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to steal your thunder. Mm. I know. I know Mike really be rocking designer Elder Statesman all the time. Yeah, I mean this. Yeah, um, 
I love like Marnie sweaters. I love this one brand called ERL. Shout out to ER. Shout out to ERL. Really making waves. I think his time has come finally. Yeah, yeah. There's like Isabel Morant actually has some really beautiful men's sweaters. I've been wearing those. I'm kind of a sweater guy, but like that's maybe I'm just trying to bring some Canada down into California because nothing you know, wrong with it. Yeah, you're gonna pull out the Roots cardigan in a little bit and give us a tour. I can't wait. I have a bunch of Roots sweatshirts. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. We know it's it's your your home has a cabin esque. It's true. Feel to it anyway. It's it's perfect for a sweater situation. It gets a little nippier up there than it does down in the flats, doesn't it? It does. Topanga actually gets kind of chilly for sure. Um, yeah, not like Saskatoon, but you know, by California standards, not Saskatoon. No, no, it's not. It's not flash freezing death. Are you the type of person that when you do leave the house, you're always, you know, put together in a nice Marnie sweater and some trousers? Or is there an athleisure, casual, going to Erewhon outfit for you? I personally love dressing in a way that you're dressed down. So it's casual. But then if you have an eye for it, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that sweater's dope. Mm-hmm. It's like not overly pretentious or, you know, but it's colorful and it's like, yeah. Quiet luxury is what I, I, I coined that term for that style of dressing where it's, it's for the heads. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. And if you kind of think about it, you're like, I don't like leather soled shoes. You know, I'm like, I want my feet to be comfortable. So I do like Nikes or Birkenstocks and stuff like that. But I don't like suits. I'm not, you're not going to really catch me in a three-piece suit. Unless but, I yeah, where, what, are you, what are we wearing to the Grammys, bro? Like, what are we, what's the, what's the idea? a good question grammys is worth okay yeah no but if you if you had to go for suiting though what what are we talking about what's your go-to i'm a little bit biased with brioni because i've done some singing with them and i do love a lot of their clothing Um, i like that it's kind of i did this amazing vocal performance for them for men's fashion week and it was like me in a church like singing to like the head of gq the head of vogue like it was it was actually insane i was wearing this custom suede jacket that just like looks super fly and i know they got some amazing stuff yeah it's like low key but then when you get closer like oh wait that's like super quality you know mm-hmm. that kind of vibe. can we i wanted to circle back before we end um about uh, about eggs um <laughs> you know. yes, sir. let's just yeah. Get, yeah let's just get back to i'm sorry go. we gotta get back to the important stuff he let me let's go. he let me talk about clothes for 30 seconds yeah. but we need to get back to eggs let's get back to eggs yeah. You know, people will say you could you could tell a lot about a chef by how they make a, a you know just a standard plain French omelet or something like that. How are you cooking yeah. your eggs? What is your way to judge how much another person is an egg whisperer like you are? I like to approach my eggs the same way I approach my music, which is mixing genres. Mm. So I have what's called the mixed genre <laughs> egg, where like I'm so happy you think right it's going to be a fry, then it turns into a scramble. Ooh. But it's all about the ingredients. It's all about the the quality of stuff. You got to saute the onions for at least fifteen minutes before you even even mess around with anything. It's slow. It's a very it's an old Russian technique for making varenica. You know, you you saute the onions for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do a boiled egg, it's always six minutes and forty five to fifty five seconds, depending on the size of the egg. Take it out into ice water. Out, cut into discs so it's candied in the middle, and then you steam some like beets with a little bit of truffle salt on it. Onions. Get like a really good like burrata or goat cheese in there. Do you have um, one of those egg slicers, or do you, do you we cut by hand? No, man. No, no, no. You, you can't cheat if you're going to do eggs, man. Okay. You got to have a really nice like Japanese blade. Yep. It's super sharp, so when you cut it, it's all everything's like by hand. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can't. 
I understand. Kind of like when you poach eggs, you got to spin the water and you got to put the vinegar in. You can't just use eggs. Okay. Function. Where do you stand on scrambling eggs with oil versus butter? Does it always have to be butter? Has to be butter. Mm-hmm. Um, oil that's not good for you cooked at high temperatures. Mm-hmm. And coconut imparts too much of a flavor on yes. the egg. So butter all day, all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want coconut eggs. What kind Come of on. butter are we using, if you don't mind me asking? Come on. I mean, we get either imported New Zealand butter or mm-hmm. Irish butter. You know. Okay. Where where do you do your where do you do your grocery shopping at? I'm very lucky in that I live at, in Topanga, so we have two places that we get our food. One is this Malibu farm, so all the produce is from a farm. Um, it's like 30 minute drive from here, but it's superior. And then we go to the Calabasas uh, farmers market every Saturday, and the eggs I get is from Apricot Lane, which is. Uh, by far the best eggs. Yeah, maybe I need to make a trip out to the Calabasas Farmer's Market. Would you consider it worth the worth the trip? I think it's the best farmer's market in L.A. I also like the layout because I don't get as stressed out. Like some of the other ones I get, like it's a little too compact and I get a little bit uh, stressed out in them. Not unlike Cal- Calabasas itself, a little room to stretch out. little room to stretch out and it's got, a, there's a very, very Topanga vibe, you know, because a lot of people from Topanga go there. So even though Calabasas gets a bit of a bad rap, um... Not on this podcast. No, I was actually there this weekend. Not on this we, podcast. I, I went, I was, I was driving through and I went in and I was like, I think I understand Calabasas now, like the, the energy and the spirit of it. And it's not just the place where Drake lives. It's, you know, there's something a lot more to it. No, it's where Rye lives. Oh, damn. Wow. It's not just where Drake lives. It's not. Damn, it's not OVO Rye. Rye. OVO Rye coming through. Damn. No, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Toronto is taking over this whole part of California. I've known, I, you know? We feel it. It's like the weekend, Rye, Drake. I Boom. like that. I like that. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna factor. It was gonna be Bieber, but then we were talking to you, so it's Rye. I see. I see the trifecta. Bieber also lives out here. Yeah. No, famously, famously. Yeah. There's something to it. No, there, there, there's trees. I got like tons of trees. There's nature. Um, it's like. No neighbors to complain when I'm making music. There's no helicopters overhead, which really helps when you're recording. There's a light ordinance here, so you can see the stars at night here. I didn't it's know there's really a light cool. ordinance. There. There's no street lights. So it's like a little slice of Sedona. little slice of Canada. I, I, Mike, I feel like you've, I don't know, man. I feel like you've kind of got it figured out. You flipped my whole life outlook on its head right now because I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you in every way, you know? So I'm, I'm really happy to hear all of this. It's, it's, you've, you make it sound very attractive. Mm-hmm. I don't look like it sometimes, but I put a lot of thought into all the things that make up what life is mm-hmm. from how your day operates from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Enjoyment and uh, deepening your friendships is a really important part of the way I look at life. Um, quality of food. Like when you tour a lot, you realize really quickly the people that have mental breakdowns physically get destroyed. It's because they're eating poorly. You got to eat really healthy on tour, getting rid of alcohol not that you have to like do it like you're sober, quote unquote, like ANA, but just not having a lot of alcohol on tour really helps. People that get blitzed, they do not make it past like six months. Mm-hmm. You know? So for me, it's like it's all about enjoyment of life and having adventures. What about exercise, Mike? Yeah, what's the program? 
Uh, well, we do African dance class once a week, which I really love. So I love like Damn, African dance. Mike is fucking dialed, Jason. This is we're, we look like peasants right now. My man is my man no, is this. This podcast should not be free. Is what <laughs> yeah, I've been is, thinking. This guy is giving away the jewels. This, you're, so so you're saying when I'm 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 earlier, you know, I'm boasting about my sprint routine on the treadmill, and this motherfucker is African dancing for workouts right now. Yeah, because it's fun, right? It's not just like repeating emotion over and over because you're trying to get your heart rate up it's like we're having fun for a couple hours like learning dance moves and um that's super fun that can help you in and out of the bedroom am i right it does you know understand how to move your hips there's functional patterns if you're if you ever looked into functional pattern work it's really interesting like all the yeah. movement-based functional patterns like realigning your body have some of those functional patterning balls and stuff Definitely I'm not trying to get super muscular because that actually restricts your chest and your ability to sing really well. You need to well then you oh. to, you need to call your boy Drake then because his chest looking swole. It might affect the that might affect the voice, <laughs> man. He doesn't sing. He's not famous for being a singer. I, some would argue some would argue that his R and B songs are very quite popular. You know what I mean? But you're saying No, no, popular. Popular. That doesn't stop That's Drake true. from trying though. No, no, he's he's an amazing artist. Nothing like I actually really like Drake. I think he's amazing. I don't think he's resting on his like vocal prowess, right? Like I see what you're saying. Singing, singing. He's he's resting on his like lyrics, his like style, like the stuff they put out. Like it's a different thing. Um, that kind like becoming big like him because he's a big dude. Like I would never want to fight that guy. Like <laughs> you know, not that I'm known to fight people, but it's for me it's health based. Like hiking, keeping your cardiovascular good. Like I do, like a little bit of weights, but not to get bulky, just to keep toned. And so you have, so you don't have the Peloton in the studio, then. I do not have the Peloton studio. However, I did used to race bikes competitively, so I used to be really interested in road biking and mountain biking. Hell yeah! But you've hung that up. So, you don't do that anymore yeah. at all. I stopped. Um, this is the perfect place to bike because this whole region is yeah, like. That's why I asked. That's why I asked that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bike-heavy place, but we when we moved in, there was a really bad bike accident right in front of our house. Here's my dog, by the way. Say hi. Hi, dog. Um, yeah, there was a really, really bad bike accident, and me and Javi have kind of like... I thought he had died, but he, he made it through, but he massive head injury right in front of our yeah. house because he fell. And I just was like, you know what? I'm not, like, I made it this far in my life without any serious accidents on bikes, and I used to be pretty wild mountain biking, and I'm just like... I think I'm I'm good now. Like ready to hang up the spokes. Not a we the very similar trajectory of us podcasting with singer and songwriter Dashboard Confessional talking about a near death motorcycle accident that really kind of changed his life. He had to learn how to play guitar again from scratch. Yeah, I had a motorbike uh, briefly in Thailand. I lived there for a year and I got a CBR 600 yeah. uh, racing bike, and it's like incredibly fast. And uh, four weeks in, I sold it. Like I am going to kill myself. <laughs> it's not going to work for me. This is not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, I I downgraded to a scooter, and I was like, that I'm good. I had a pickup truck and a scooter. Safety first. Uh, Mike, thank you, thank you for joining us, dude. It's been a pleasure. The new record is in stores now, wherever you purchase or stream music. Correct. Mm, yes. Yes, yes. We'll look for you on, um, you know, whatever live show means. Hopefully, twenty twenty two. If not, on on YouTube dot com. I guarantee I'm going to do something by the end of this year live. Love to hear it. Will it willing it into the universe? Like proper with a crowd. Yeah, it's going to happen. Like the fall, I'm definitely doing a concert. I don't know where in the world, but I want to do a bunch of them. But I'm definitely doing. A proper rye concert. Right, rye unplugged at the Calabasas Farmers Market. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's that's what that's we what need. He's gonna he's gonna right. trade. <laughs> that's the goal. 
The dream big, Trading dream big. Eggs, you know, yeah. just a regular guy. Thanks uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Congrats on the album and everything. Thanks, guys. You guys are hilarious. I'll talk to you. Bye.